when I was a very young man, I won an incentive trip to go to Hawaii. And I'm running down the beach in the morning before the sun got up. And this man's running towards me. And I realize it's Wayne Dyer. He said to me, Ed, you're going to change the world. You're going to change the world because you intend to do well. You intend to serve. You intend to contribute. I sense beautiful intentions on you, Edward. This is The Playbook. Everybody by demand has asked for this. The duplicative, the second. Only Danica Patrick has been on my podcast twice. And uh, I would say this is, you know, one of my mentors, one of my friends, uh, but someone who definitely has lived past lives with me. I don't know if we were brothers or married or something, but this guy carries a frequency that's like none other. The incredible Ed Milet. Welcome to the playbook. I love you, brother. And I hope we were married. That would be wonderful to know. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so good. I had to have you back because I've been blessed to do almost 1,200 of these things. You know that my superpower is consistency. And uh, doing that, you wrote a book that is so timely and so important. And it's aligned with a lot of what I teach. As you know, we teach the same things just in different ways, in different vernaculars, in different vocabularies. But the power of one more is something that has helped me in my entire life. I call it the empty mile. I call it infinity. And it applies to everything from wealth to health to patience. It's all the power in this idea of one more. Why did you write the book? Why did you want to pick this message when you could pick anything to write about in this accelerated time? Why was it the power of one more that you picked to write this book? Well, what I did in the book goes, I've dumped everything I know in it. So the, it's, the power is one more, but it's all, I got stuff on your brain, time management, leadership, standards, equanimity, faith. I mean, I got, it's all in there. That's why I call it the ultimate guide to happiness and success. But I wrote it, as you know, you know this, you're being kind. My dad died last year and I was with him when he died. And the theme of my dad's life and teaching me things was one more. My dad was an alcoholic growing up when I was 15. My mother basically said, you're going to lose your family. My dad came to me in tears and said, I'm going to try one more time to get sober. It worked. And all these themes in my life with my dad had one mores in them. And my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, all these big dreams. My dad was not a big dreamer, by the way. But my dad would tell me, you know, you're way closer to it than you think. And because I believe that, I acted in accordance with it. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. If you really dig deeper, people have vision. You know this, Dave. I mean, you want to be happy or sad? What's your vision? Happy. Rich or poor? Rich, right? Contribute or not contribute? Contribute. Great emotions or negative emotions? You know this. So it's not they don't have vision. It's that it's a depth perception vision issue. They think it's further away than it is. And because they think it's so far away, they act in accordance with that belief system and it always stays that far away. But what if the truth was you're actually one decision, one relationship, one new thought, one new emotion, one new book, one new podcast, one new business deal away from a completely different life. And I'm living proof that that's true. And the last thing I'll say about it is, I know I'm right about that. You're one away. The question then becomes, what do you do to find the ones? How do you do this? And that's why I wrote the book. I teach you how to get those meanings, those decisions, those emotions, those thoughts. And aligned with those meanings, thoughts, and emotions, uh, we have to reconcile time. And one of the aspects for me over the last decade is really studying time, linear time and relativity of time. I have these great lessons I've learned between the definition of time between cause and effect or the biggest misuse of time is between problems and solutions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Regardless of what your time philosophies and understanding is, 
we all would like to slow down time. And, you know, this is where relativity comes into play and reconciles with the linear aspects of time that everything seems so far away and it's all truly just relative. I know in your book, you talk about slowing down time, which if we could slow down time, right? Let's talk about baseball. Imagine if you could slow down time. Even I could bat, like you were leading the nation in average. I could be better than Ed Milet if I could slow down time and slow that 95 mile hour fastball down. How do you? slow down time. well that's the best question it's chapter two it's called the matrix and the best do exactly what you just said tom brady has the ability to slow things down under duress and pressure i have another chapter called equanimity one more level of equanimity the athletes that get rattled things speed up i watched michael chandler fight this weekend and michael's been in some really intense fights a couple times he's a good friend of both of ours and sometimes under the duress in these fights things have sped up for him and it's not served him well. This fight, I watched him step back, get equanimity, and slow things down. And he executed one of the most dramatic knockouts ever. How do you do it? There's a thing in your brain called the reticular activating system. It's the filter that reveals the entire world to you of what's important to you. So I just bought a Tesla, for example. I just like what Musk is doing. I told my team, get me one of these Tesla plaids. Next day, it's in my driveway. And now, David, everywhere I go, there's Teslas everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. In front of me to the right, three lanes over other side of the free. I'm like, babe, another white Tesla. Here's the thing. They were always there, but they've become important to me. So my RAS now filters them into my awareness. You begin to see, feel, and hear things that were always around you, that were not a part of your awareness and your filter. So the key thing to slow things down, Tom Brady, when he's pre-snap, He slows things down. His RAS finds the coverage and the open receiver. The rookie quarterback finds the covered guy. So the difference in life is, can you make your dreams, your goals, the meetings, those relationships, those thoughts, your Teslas? And the way you do it is by repeatedly reprogramming your reticular activating system in your brain. And I go very detailed on doing it. And the other reason I love the matrix as an analogy is that Neo is the one. They call him the one. And in every family the one eventually shows up. In your family, you're it, Dave. In mine, I'm the one. Meaning, you find a rich and successful family. If you go back in their lineage somewhere, they weren't. And then the one shows up. The one that changes everything for that family, that cares for their mom like you do, right? That just changes everything. How they live, how the world treats them, how they think, their emotions. The one shows up. So Neo in the Matrix is the one. I teach you how to be the one in your family by using your RAS to slow things down so you see, hear, and feel things that were always there that can change your life. And one of the other things that you do really well is utilize that time. So not only can we slow down time, Mm -hmm. but utilize the time productively with accessibility. When I say accessibility, people would be amazed how accessible Ed Milet is. You know, I've always found it interesting that Mark Cuban, Ed Milet, Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor would always immediately text me back or email me back. And yet everyone perceives them differently. So accessibility is not only accessing what you want, but it's accessible to others to give of yourself and be of service. And then also this lens of gratitude intertwined in productivity and accessibility, meaning there's a nuance in your book that when we look at Uh, being grateful, finding the light, the love, and the lessons, having faith and everything. We have to integrate time. Is it worth my time to spend with Ed Milet over Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Which one's going to feed me more or whoever or whatever we're doing? And so many people don't reconcile time into the productivity, accessibility, and 
gratitude lenses of our activities during the day. How do you, because I know you talk about 21 days in a week. I talk about the power of 64, 64 hours of productivity a day. 60, I get 60, so eight times seven, 56 days a week. You're only at 21, brother. I can start mentoring you. But more importantly, how do you do that? Because we can beat people with time in a quantitative sense. Well, that's the, it's one of the most important chapters in the power of one more. Here's the deal. The 24-hour day is the most archaic, antiquated, ridiculous concept that is currently existing in mankind. My right. second day is noon to 6 p.m. And in that same thing, I want to get as much productivity, contacts, calls, fitness, faith, whatever it is in that day. Third day is from 6 p.m. to midnight. And some days, these are just chill days, right? Some days are just family days. But the point is, what happens now is because I've shrunk and compressed time frames, at the top of every day, like around noon every day, this alarm clock goes off my head and says, hey, what did I get done the last day? What do I need to redouble? What do I need to be accountable for? What did I miss? So instead of, you know, average person once a year checks off with themselves, yeah, New Year's resolutions, really productive people, maybe they do it once a month or at the end of the week. Some people end of their 24-hour day, all right, what do I have to do tomorrow? But I'm now doing it three times in a normal day. So two things happen. Number one, I get 21 days a week. I get way more productivity. And these are real days, too. You can actually get a full day's work done in them. But the other thing that's important about it is other people begin to respond to you differently. Because now time is precious. That's why diamonds are more valuable than paper, right? What's rare is precious. The more rare your time is, the more precious it is, the more other people respond to you in a particular way. So it's one of the most important. I would say single-handedly, there's maybe five things in the book that are all really detailed. I don't know where they rank, but this is on there somewhere where I completely changed my perception of what a day looks like. And then the last thing is this. In life, you don't always get your goals. You don't. People say, I want more self-confidence. Everybody knows. Keep the promises you make to yourself. You'll probably get more self-confidence because self-confidence is a relationship and reputation with yourself. And if you can keep the promises you make to you, you're going to be a pretty productive person. But what if you had a higher standard? There's a chapter called One More Higher Standard. You always get your standards. You don't always get your goals. But if your standard is I always do one more, I always do one more. Now I keep the promises I make to myself and one more. I'm going to tell my daughter I love her every day and one more time. I'm going to do 10 reps on the bench and one more. I'm going to make 10 contacts and one more. I'm going to text message five friends, tell them I love them and care about them today and one more. Now you've changed your life the way you manipulate time because your standard is different for how you conduct yourself. And you've elevated that standard, which has an energetic aspect to it. We have a frequency that also gets into that particular side of things where things become, or you become aware of them by what we think, say, do, believe, and feel, those five different levels. It gives us a deeper purpose. And you and I are both extremely faith-based people. Uh, and through that aspect of faith, we integrate energy and quantum science, the, the yeah, mathematical yeah. side of things. How does your purpose and faith that is integrated together relate to energy and quantum science, the quantitative side of the world? No one's asked me that. So that was the hardest chapter for me, brother. One more um, prayer, because I wanted to talk about my faith because I'm a faith-based person, but I also didn't want to put off people who didn't share my faith. And because I'm also science and quantum based, I believe there's a quantum field. In fact, I don't believe it. I know it. I just happen to believe there's almighty creator that created it. That's all. I don't know why that's in conflict with people. And so, um, <laughs> right. So there's this whole notion that, well, if you're faith-based, you're not scientific or energy. And if you're energy-based, you're not faith-based. You and I know tons of pastors and rabbis that are very energy-based people that are also dogmatic in their faith. And so 
why do I love you so much? Because we vibrated a similar frequency. And so there's a connection there. We've all felt energy before. We've all been able to vibrate at a frequency where there become answers to things that really we're not capable of answering on our own. And so for me, I know I feel energy. The key thing for most people is that if you don't believe in energy, you don't really believe in influence. You don't believe in inspiration. You don't believe in connection. You're always making people feel something. You're always em emanating an energy. You ought to start to take control of what that is and be intentional about it and work at it because that is energy is influence. Energy is love. Energy is emotion. And so every part and of my and money and money, don't forget and money. Everything is. And so it all has an energy frequency, a vibrational frequency. And so although I'm extremely faith-based, I'm a Christian, you, you and I've sat around and talked about these things many, many times. I'm blown away by the fact that I, that people would think, well, that would, I would deny the fact that there's quantum energy in the world. That's like denying that there's gravity. I just happen to think that the gravity and nature and oxygen, the way it relates with animals and all that stuff came from one place. But having said that, I'm very much, you know, some of my dearest friends are the people that are the best in the world at it, like Dr. Joe Dispenza. So, and yourself and others whom I admire greatly. So I'm super energy based. I'm super quantum based. And I can tell you that I believe even this podcast has a particular energy frequency to it that people will respond to different than other ones because there's two dudes that vibrate a particular way spending some time together. You know, what's so amazing is we grew up similar in so many respects, but also differently in our face. And yet we ended up in the same place as faith. And one time when we first met, you had a statement and you said, God is good. And it wasn't just you were saying it. I, I, I almost cried when you said it. And I thought to myself, 20 years ago, if I met Ed, Ed Milet because I was at a different frequency, I would have had judgments and conditions that separated a brother of mine, someone that I'm so connected to and through inspirationally, energetically. And I would have let those three words, which I state every day as many times as I can today and believe full heartedly, despite my background, which is different than yours religiously in the dramatic sense. And no one in the world do I think I share beliefs with as much as I do Ed Milet. And I hope he takes that as a compliment. I um, mean, I study very hard to understand that. Why do you think people resist that def defining moment for me in faith? That, look, there's something bigger than us that loves us more than our mom loves us. And that gives me the faith to be protected and promoted at all times. And everything I look upon, I say to myself, God is good. And I don't want to separate myself from anyone when I say that, but I know that there's listeners right now going, I didn't know Dave Meltzer was, was a Jesus freak. You know, <laughs> I know they're saying it, Ed. I know they're saying it. I know my rabbi brother's saying, oh my God, did he not learn anything? But I believe God is good. And so do you. And that's what has blessed me to be where I am today with you on this podcast. Yeah, brother. I love you. I uh, think that it's resisted because the truth is that religion has gotten the way for a lot of people getting to know God. And religion's done a lot of negative things in life. It's done a lot of positive things, too. But organized religion, I think even some of my most devout pastor friends would say, hey, there's it's bumped up on doing some stuff. There's been a lot of wars over religion. Right. There's been a lot of judgment over religion. And um, I don't really, I, I, I guess I'm religious in the sense that I'm a Christian, but I'm not a religious person in the sense that I subscribe to a particular dogmatic church. And so I think that's what the gap is. I think, and by the way, I think it's a, it's a, um, a, a, a reasonable assessment of people over time. I'm, I know something you don't know. I'm right, you're wrong, right? 
and and that's not something God would ever say. That's not something that's true. And so what I have is a relationship with God, which means it ebbs and flows. When my dad died, I wasn't happy with God, right? When my dad got cancer, I'm like, what's going on here, man? What are we doing, right? So it's okay to question one's faith. In fact, if you don't, someone that never questions their faith never will never grow in it. And so I just think the answers to life lie there. And I would just tell everybody to embrace your version of what God is. And the more you explore that in your heart, I think the more, I, by the way, any of you listening to this, here's what I do know about you. You wonder, you wonder, it's a calling that's been on your heart since you were a little boy or a little girl. You've always wanted to know. You've always wanted to explore that. In fact, it's always going on in the back of your mind. What's true? What's life all about? What happens when I die, right? Most importantly is what happens when I live. And so I think these questions are beautiful and I don't think you should avoid them. And I think you should be open to whatever inspiration and answers you get and not use the judgment of other human beings or dogmatic religion from people to cause you to be suppressed in your pursuit of it, because it's a beautiful pursuit. It's what life's all about. And you will find more bliss and happiness as you find your version of those answers. And that beautiful pursuit in this idea of one more uh, takes that faith, that, uh, that understanding. And you've really helped me uh, understand what is the paradox or the paradigm of my life that I don't need to go get more healthy, more wealthy, more happy, more worthy. Because of my faith, I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I just got to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. And the concept, the, 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 the concept of one more to me is clearing the interference. It is clearing the interference. Because every time we say, I'm gonna call my daughter, you know, I have minimums in my life. I'm gonna call her one more time or one more minute, uh, which isn't easy with teenage girls, but I'm going to do it even if they, I feel rejection at times. Uh, but it's never too late to have this one more philosophy of clearing the interference of our potential. And everyone has different potentials. How come so many people think, well, it's too late? Yep, because they're carrying around baggage of the things they're ashamed of, the things they failed at. They think they're defeats. They think they're invisible. They think they're not qualified. Um, they're not special. Uh, you don't know about the things I'm embarrassed by. You don't know about my bankruptcy, my divorce, my financial setback, this sin I've had. And we carry those things around with us. And because so we think that somehow that disqualifies us from helping other people and living our best life. In fact, the, the opposite is actually true. I got to tell you something, bro. I haven't told you this yet. So I wrote this book, The Power of One More, basically when my dad died and, and all the lessons in it. About two weeks ago, I woke up about 3.15 in the morning crying. This is just for me and you, but everybody gets to listen. And it answers your <laughs> question perfectly. And I woke up and I told, I told Christiana up, I said, babe, and she goes, yeah, because what changed my family life forever is my dad got sober. That one decision changed our family. I'm not talking to you right now. If my dad doesn't do that, I don't help millions of people unless my dad makes that one decision. And I said, babe, she goes, what? 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 I said, someone helped daddy. She said, what, honey? I said, someone helped my dad. And I've never thought about it before. Someone helped my dad get sober. She goes, oh my God. I said, I don't know who they are. That family, by helping my dad, changed millions of other people's lives and Max and Bella's lives, my children, are deeply affected by this precious soul helping my dad in some quiet place, in some room somewhere that no one will ever know about. And I said, here's what's amazing, babe. Do you know what qualified that person to help my dad? 
their messed up life. They were a drunken and alcoholic. All their mistakes, all the things they were ashamed of, all their life experience. That's what qualified them to change my dad's life and change my life and change millions of other, whoever this person is, it's some quiet coffee shop somewhere or a room somewhere. They saved my family. Little did they know all those years they were drinking and using drugs was preparing them to change the world. And it just occurred to me two weeks ago. So if you're listening to this, your mistakes, your setbacks, your experience, your failures, your sins are the very thing. That mess is your message. It's the very thing that qualifies you with your intent to serve your giftedness and your experience to make a difference in the world and live greatly. And there's no better example of that than whoever this precious soul is that changed my family and millions of families forever because they were an alcoholic at some point in their life. And there's great significance to that in our lives. You know, one of the things that I can't still fathom is the size, scope, and scale of how what I call the protection and promotion in my life, the mistakes, failures, setbacks, and sins, uh, as I see them as a hot stove that as a three-year-old, I try to reach out to. And of course, my mom slapped my hand and she's never really hit anyone and screamed at me and she screams at very few. And I immediately said, why am I being punished? Because I didn't understand the stove was going to burn me. And, you know, here with faith, whatever your dogmatic beliefs are, with faith, there's something bigger than us that loves us more than my mom loved me at that moment to protect me. There is no punishment. That person that saved your father and saved his legacy and saved his family and now has saved millions around the world because it has given you the opportunity uh, to be saved, uh, to be saved from yourself, from the lessons and the love and the light that has always existed through you to others. But I can't still, I get choked up fathom when we have a young kid that begs me, hey, Mr. Meltzer, there's only two podcasts in the world I listen to, Ed Marlette and you, and can I please meet him? He has changed my life. I come from the Bronx and his family, and, you know, and I've got a college education. I'm inspired to do great things, to be kind to my future self and to do good deeds in the world, to touch other people exponentially, brother, right? Exponentially, it doubles. Yeah. And I see you doubling the thousands and then millions of people that are going to sit there someday and say, thank you, Ed, my ladder. Thank you, whatever the name of those guys were on their podcast together that somehow planted a seed or watered a seed that changed an entire legacy. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the importance of the ability to touch that many lives? First, I love you. Uh, you're special. You're the special one of all this stuff I've been doing. Um, and I know you know that I feel that way. I don't know why I'm going to get emotional too. This is first off a step back. It's pretty cool that two rich guys are talking about this stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, there's very few profound conversations. And um, you and I have had several of them now. And I'm glad this one's being recorded. I just deal with it like this. I, when, I, I don't think God calls qualified people. I think he qualifies called people. And I just feel like I'm called to do this. And one of the things I talk about in the book is like, how do you change your identity and your self-confidence? And I say, well, there's a trilogy, faith, intention, and associations. But the second one's a biggie. How do I deal with it? Because I'm not, I don't have every answer. I do make mistakes. 
I'd like to sound, I'd like my life to be as smooth and as beautiful and as elegant as it sounds like in an interview, but it's not. There's mistakes I make all the time. But I know this about me. When I was a very young man, I know you know the story. Of, well, not that young compared to a lot of people listening. But I was 30 years old. I won an incentive trip to go to Hawaii. And I'm running down the beach in the morning before the sun got up. And this man's running towards me. And he gets closer and closer and closer. And I realize it's Wayne Dyer. And those of you young bucks, if you don't know who Wayne Dyer is, Google him. But Dave definitely knows who he is. And I said, we were, I was running with a Sony Walkman on. Sony Walkman. And I go, Dr. Dyer, you changed my life. And he lifted off his Walkman after he had ran by me and goes, I doubt that. I bet you changed your life. But he goes, how did I help you? And he walked towards me and we sat on the beach together and watched the sun come up. Can you imagine? And at that time, he was writing a book called The Power of Intention. And here's what he said to me, and I'll impart this wisdom onto everybody else on this topic. He said to me, Ed, you're going to change the world. And I'm sure he had said that to other people. But for me in that moment, it felt like I was the only person he goes, and it's there's a, there's a spirit about you. There's a, God gave you this voice and he gave you this ability to communicate. You're brilliant. And I, I just, my hero saying this to me and he goes, and none of that's why you're going to change the world. You're going to change the world because you intend to do well. You intend to serve. You intend to contribute. He said, I sense beautiful intentions on you, Edward. And I knew that was true of me. I've never believed I was talented or smart. I've never believed I was special, but I do know my heart. I do know I intend to help people. And he goes, the rest of your life, never link your confidence to your ability to do something. Link it to your intention to serve. And I've never forgotten that. That makes me emotional because I'm not the most talented guy in the world. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, the blah, blah, blah. I'm none of those things. But I do have a pretty good heart. I do intend to serve people. And so before I do a podcast like this, before I give a speech, before I do any business meeting, I do remind myself of my intent and I have tremendous confidence in my intentions. And I would acknowledge, I would tell everybody out there, maybe you should take a page out of that book. Maybe you should read that chapter in my book too. But your intention to contribute, to have a pure heart, to serve people, to make a difference is where your confidence should come from. Because you'll find whether it's your God or the energy field or a combination of both, the answers will come your way. The answers, you will find the people, places, and things that you need that are requisite to you delivering on this intention you have. But it starts with the intent. And that's how I carry that, you know, that uh, not burden, but honor and privilege of some people wanting to hear what we have to say is that I know I intend to help. And usually the spirit helps me move them in the right way. And the book will help as well. That power of one more, I will tell you as someone who's blessed to be around the energy and frequency of Ed Milet, that he thinks one more, does one more, says one more, believes one more, and feels one more. And those five levels of intention will allow us all to work within a symbiotic way with the universe, which is constantly expanding, growing. We live in a value-add world, not a zero-sum one. And we want to share and change the way people look at things. So the things they look at change. And Ed, I want to thank you for having such a great impact on me and changing the way that I look at things and clearing the interference between me and my inspiration and confidence, intellect and intuition. And you're always a positive force, not only just supporting me and complimenting me, but also bringing to my awareness some of the areas in which I need one more. And uh, I hope as you got one more podcast with me, along with Danica Patrick, uh, I got to do more. And so you'll be the first three timer as well. Pretty soon you'll be the Chevy Chase of the playbook. Uh, if people aren't old enough, go watch Saturday Night Live. You'll understand what that means. He was the host of Saturday Night Live the most. Well, you are the host with the most. 
You're an incredible source of love, license, lessons and light. The incredible Ed Milet. Check out the Ed Milet show. Check out the power of one more coming out on June 1st. Your life will change with the words that exist between the two covers of that book as mine has changed from being a friend, associate, and a soulmate of the incredible Ed Milet. 